Howdy, folks. Welcome back to Willie Sportsman Show. Today, I've got a brand new episode brought to you by Relevant. Relevant recently had their Instagram taken down off Instagram for reasons I don't know. <laughs> that, you know, there's nothing they could really done. They tried to get it back, and they're like, okay, enough with this. So they got a new one, okay? Um, I need you guys to go out and support them. Give them a follow. They're trying to regrow. I don't know how many followers they had before. I think it was close to 100,000. They're starting from scratch because... You know, they need a platform on Instagram, and if they don't have their account, they can't do that. So they had to bite the bullet, start a new one. Kind of a kind of a shame. So their username is relevant underscore life. Or if you look up relevant, R-L-V-N-T, you get the same account. Give them a follow, okay? That uh, just, you know, if you were following them before, which you definitely should have been, follow them now. Just like you should be following me on Instagram, at Welly Sportsman Show. I uh, keep you guys updated with what's going on. You know, this last weekend, <laughs> I was out pheasant hunting with Lacey. You guys saw a video. We'll talk about that here in a little bit in my week in review. But that is where I keep you guys updated with what I'm doing with, um, you know, the podcast itself when episodes are coming out. This one's coming out tonight. You're probably hearing, you know, another hour or so. <laughs> and, and you guys will see that when I post on my story. So. It's a good way to stay in touch with me, stay in touch with the podcast, and make sure you never miss an episode. Not to mention, you know, sweet content. <laughs> sweet content. You got to love it. Um, but let's jump right into uh, my week in review. So my week in review is pretty, you know, not fun. Or not not exactly not fun, but like nothing crazy happened. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Saturday, I went out pheasant hunting with my dog, Lacey, for the first time. I... Uh, you know, it's been busy leading up to this point, so it's my first time going out with her. I've been needing to get out there for a while, but I ended up going, you know, an older guy beat me to, you know, the access of public land. So I pull up, and it's, you know, this this public piece of land can take quite a few people, or it has before. I've seen up to six cars there at once, but it's kind of overkill if you ask me, but there's two of us. There's plenty of room, so, you know, I asked them, I'm like, hey, which way you want to go up, and we, we went through all that, and it was pretty, he, he, he took the good side, so he went up and around and to the good side, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go around this way, and definitely not as good. I was not expecting to get anything. If anything, I was expecting to kick up a hen, and I go around this other way, and I'm busting through cattails, and they're not quite frozen yet, so every now and then you're sinking through because you're stepping on the wrong spot. You know, I'm glad I had my knee-high boots on because I needed that, <laughs> you know, but uh, after this week, Hopefully, it starts really freezing up and locking up so I can walk to the cattails like I like to do, especially with Lacey. Um, she struggles with the cattails, but it's just fun to get her out there, yeah, get some experience with her. Just She she likes it out there. But it's kind of like a canary grass cattail mix, and we're walking around like this, but this is kind of swampy body of water. And we go to the <clears throat> east side of it, and uh, which is like the furthest side away from my car. So I've like squarely walked around this whole swamp and we're walking through this little it's more of a canary more canary than cattail so it's like cattails taking out every you know five feet kind of thing and we're walking along and Lacey's maybe 10-15 yards out in front of me and she kicks up a rooster and I was not ready at all so I pull up and shoot and this rooster is flying into the cattail so you know second shot I had it lined up probably could have taken her taken him out pretty dang easy but here's the thing. I did not want to go chasing the cattails after that bird. So I got the first shot off. I was definitely underneath it. I could see like the whole barrel when I shot, just, you know, pull up and shoot. And I was, I was too, too low yet with my barrel. 
but uh that's that's okay that's okay you know and then the second shot it's uh having that awareness to realize like hey i really don't want to go swimming today i really don't want to get stuck in mud and i know my dog can't successfully or probably won't successfully recover this bird so i'm not going to shoot it and i think that was uh, a smart decision by myself yeah i didn't get the bird but sometimes it's not worth it at least if you ask me not worth it um so that night you know i went out to work next morning what I do? I went musky fishing. I went musky fishing down here um, on the Mississippi River. And the thing, the cool thing about Mississippi is all these fish are natural. There are no stocked muskies on the Mississippi River. So you catch one. It's a big old river monster that has evolved through however long they've been here to be living right there, which I think is very cool. Uh, you know, big old river monsters, lots of scars, lots of beat up. There's nothing not to love. So I, it was a super cold out. You know, I went out with uh, just a topwater bait because the area that I fish has lots of snags. I didn't want, I didn't, by no means did I want to deal with snags, like, at all. So, I stuck to topwater, went out really early. I was there probably a half hour before sun uh, sunrise. I should have been there a little earlier, but that's okay. So, I fished probably, probably two hours. The wind started picking up, which is good, but I also, uh, you know, I didn't want to be out there all day. I was a little cold. And I was, I just want to give it a try. I wanted to give it, you know, a solid chance. So I walked down the, all the way down the bank where I usually catch like smallies and stuff. I know their structure. I went all the way down it, bat fan casting, changing my cadence, and stuff like that. And I know muskies aren't like the small mouth where, you know, you can, you can fan cast and kind of cover ground with muskies. It's more of a, okay, I just casted there, but what if they're not in the mood or what if I wasn't doing it right? You know, what if I come back 10 minutes later and they they want to feed, they want to chomp. Yeah, oh, my goodness. It's one of those things where it's like you can't win. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, that's the beauty of musky fishing. It makes you want to pull your hair out sometimes. And I wasn't even doing that that serious. Or I was just there to really enjoy the morning and pretty much say that I did that. Because I've been wanting to do that for a while, ever since I started getting into musky fishing. So that was uh, pretty dang fun. So today is Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and happy Thanksgiving, by the way. I hope you guys have a great one. Hope you guys are listening to this on your way to your family functions. You know, just just listening to Willie Sportsman show in the car. You know, <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's Wednesday. Uh, Thanksgiving tomorrow. Tomorrow, you know, I don't really want to go pheasant hunting in the morning, but I might. Like I, I I've had a long week, like a couple weeks here at school, where I just want to chill out for like a day and not do anything you know you guys have that kind of stuff at work yeah i don't know but uh <laughs> i just kind of want to sit around and do nothing but i'm sure i'll do something because sitting around and do nothing is not really something i do very often sadly <laughs> sadly i don't usually sleep in past eight o'clock like ever i think the latest i've slept in and however long is probably seven ish seven thirty but that's the way i am i go to bed early wake up early I work hard, play hard, you know, I got to play harder than you work. Um, but that is about that. And last night, so I turned 18 in January. And for part of my gift, my parents were like, hey, let's get you a pair of ice fishing bibs. I know you've wanted them for so long and, you know, whatever you want, let's go get them and we'll help you pay for them. So you know, I have been doing some research in the, in the deer sand and all that. And I came down to some really, I had it selected down to a couple. I had it down to the striker climate. <laughs> which I found out would be way too warm for me. The Striker Predators, which I found out, they're pretty dang nice. I tried them on. Um, 
the inseam adjustment wasn't really that nice. That was my biggest turnoff with them. Everything else is pretty solid. And they also had like a pocket that was like right next to like the phone pocket on your um, like jeans. That was like a snap and you could reach like down underneath the bibs. Super weird. And I'm like, if you're getting wet all the time and kneeling down, wouldn't water like drip through that? Like, I don't like that at all. Um, that was kind of a big turnoff too. So my dad has a pair of striker predators. He's really liked them. And so I'm like, hey, you know, it's a it's a solid choice, reliable choice. Only 5K waterproofing, but that's kind of the industry standard and had enough insulation and all that. So I'm like, hey, um, this is an option. And I tried them on and the inseam and the, the buttons there, that those were killers, especially when I compared them to the Strike Master Pros, which were also $20 less. 8K waterproofing, 140 grams of the, was it? What kind of insulation is that? Crap, I can't think of it. Anyhow, um, the 8K waterproofing, and then the inseam adjustment was super easy, super nice. I really liked them. They were comfy. They fit me well. And I really look forward to putting them to test because I actually ended up going with the Strike Master Pros. Uh, they're sitting upstairs right now, and I can't wait to get on the ice and try them out. And some uh, a couple other things I had it narrowed down to is I had it narrowed down to the Eskimo series, the Eskimo lineup. The Eskimo has an, a keeper a bib, which is kind of like their entry level, 220 uh, $220, 5K waterproofing, 80 grams of insulation, which is somewhat low when you're talking about these higher-end uh, ice fishing bibs. It wasn't really that – it wouldn't. I wouldn't have been cold, put it that way, especially with how much hole hopping I'm doing. But the industry standard, I'd say, is right around the, the 100-ish mark. But then you look at the Striker series, the Guardians, and some of those Trekkers, they have a similar amount of insulation. So it's kind of like that – it's a little cheaper for you, uh, and if you say mobile, it'll do you just fine. Or if you stay in the ice shanty, it'll, you'll do just fine. Um, and I really like those. I was actually really considering them because of the price and what I got out of them, which is the industry standard waterproofing with the insulation. I would have been just fine with those. And the only problem is they weren't really readily available in my area. There were no really big retailers that were selling them that I know of at least. And I, I really like the Eskimo lineup. I've heard a ton of good things, and I really wanted to give them a try. But at the end of the day, if I can't try them on, I don't know if I'm going to order them kind of thing. But then in that lineup, too, they have the Legend series, which has 10K waterproofing, pretty nuts, and like 100 or 120 grams of insulation. My worry with those was I would get too hot. Just, just my initial thought. And then they have the Superior Bibs, which come in at a whopping 330 bucks. Oh, the Legends came in at about 270 280-ish. forgot to mention that. But the Superiors came in at a whopping 330 but they had 15K, like, waterproofing, which is nuts. That's most, um, like, rain gear. And it had a removable liner, which I thought was pretty cool because I could use that 15K waterproofing as a rain bib in the summer. But the only problem is its inseam did not, the inseam adjustment was not the same as the other models, which worried me a little bit. And it never gave like a specific, hey, it can go this high, where the other ones it, could, it was like, okay, it can go to 28 inches. Because that's my inseam. It's 28 inches. And <laughs> I'm a short guy. I'm five foot five. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was really worried about that. I was really worried about not being able to fit. And if I couldn't try them on to see if they would fit, I'm not getting them. And that's about how the extent of that went. 
Um, I do not like I did not settle one bit with the Strike Master Pros. I think they're gonna keep me like very warm, very dry. I think I'm gonna love them, and I think I'm definitely not going to be regretting my decision. But uh, you know, I, that's some give and take with the uh, whole bib situation, especially in the state of our um, you know chain of command or like chain of production, everything getting here. Um, oh, so what they call the supply chain. The supply chain is all screwed up. Whew. Holy moly, you want to talk about a shortage of ice fishing stuff this year? If you want something, you get it now. <laughs> you get it now, otherwise you're not getting it at all. I was down at the Blaine at the um, at the uh, ice fishing expo, and I actually met Adam from Relevant in person for the first time. Very cool guy. They had a booth there. Very Really fun to talk to him. Great booth. It was a pretty pretty good show. I was a little disappointed with... Uh, you know, selection like it was a, it was fairly small for compared to some of the other ice shows, but for what it was, I was pretty dang happy. But um, what was I gonna say about that? Oh, I guess I was down there and I met Adam, but that was a ton of fun. I went there with my brother and we kind of checked out what the industry had to offer, and I guess that was kind of my big, you know, introduction into not really introduction into the, into the industry, but uh, taking a couple steps and looking at the industry as like a whole, because. My my perception of ice fishing has been pretty narrow-minded. You know, you go out there, you catch some fish, and, and call it a day. But I, there's there's so much more to it, uh, especially with social media and stuff like that. It, it was it's pretty it's pretty interesting. You know, the networking, the people, um, all that is pretty dang cool. So I think what we need to talk about is what this episode is really about: ice fishing safety, especially early ice fishing. So I am a huge early ice fishing guy. I love it. It's my favorite time of year. Early ice walleyes is my jam. Love it. Oh, I love it. And, uh, you know, it's it's always the coldest because your body isn't quite ready for the cold. So you always get, like, the extra shivers and stuff like that. But it just makes you want it even more. Like, oh, like I go up for a school kind of thing. Like, I love it. <laughs> love it. Um, but we're, let's talk about some safety precautions you can take. So. I got new bibs, which have all these bibs have flotation in them. So that's one precaution you can take is buying gear that helps helps keep you floating. So those bibs would help keep me floating. Um, if you pair it with a jacket, it says it'll keep you on the surface for you know two hours. And a lot of these other companies have different claims like that. And I'm not really I don't really need a jacket. I got a really nice Drake jacket that keeps me plenty warm. So I'm like, hey, I don't need really need um. I don't really need, you know, another whole nother ice jacket. So it's just uh, a extra like flotation. And that's pretty much what it would mean to me. And I don't need that. So, you know, I'm definitely not going to get a, a jacket anytime soon kind of thing just for the flotation factor. But just having that peace of mind of like, hey, if I fall in, I don't, you know, I'm not going to be kicking for my life getting sunk down by my, by my bibs. They're going to kind of float with me and help me you know, stay afloat. They're not going to drag me down. So I guess that's a nice piece of mind. Another one would be um, carrying spikes with you. Spikes around your neck, safety spikes. So what you do with that is um, you kind of carry them around your neck usually, and it'll help you get back up on the ice. So essentially when you're all wet, you can't get a grip on the ice because everything's wet, slippery, bad, bad situation to be in. You get those spikes, it gives you grip. You can get out easier. Um, that's a big sale with those pitch. But I don't have a pair, and I should really get a pair. But with the supply chain being uh, like the way it is, 
you know, I guess I really haven't looked into it too seriously, but um, I'd get a pair of Rapala ones because I get a discount through my fishing team with them, and they're out of order or out of stock, back order, you know what. Um, so that's something I should definitely invest in before my luck runs out and I do fall in one of these days. But until then, that's a problem for future Dylan. <laughs> and that's a terrible way to look about look at your safety. <laughs> I should really get a pair of those. But um, yeah, I really should. But something that we do, since we don't have spikes, I mean, my dad, we don't have spikes, which is definitely not the smartest thing to be doing. We carry a rope with us early ice. So we'll keep it in our bucket. If one of us falls through, you know, we walk in like staggered, not really staggered, but like spread apart a little bit. So if one of us would happen to come on this, uh, you know, little piece of thin ice, the other person isn't going through. The other person can grab said rope and the other person can help get that other person out. So that is something that we do. Uh, I know a lot of people have things called throw ropes that like the rafters use on the rivers. Uh, we just have a little deer rope that we use to drag deer out of the woods with. It works pretty dang good. We've never had to use it. So, <laughs> um, but th this brings me kind of my next point. You, for early ice, when the ice is all glossed over and super smooth, you would need ice cleats. You will hate it if you have to go out there and walk a couple miles on really glare, you know, ice that is super, super slippery. You're not going to like it. You need ice cleats, give you a little traction, make it easier to walk, make it easier to haul your house if you're into that. Early ice, I don't like houses at all. It just weighs you down. It weighs you down. Um, so I try to stay as light as possible and cover that water. That's just my approach to it. Everybody does it different. Um, but safety spikes, absolutely necessary if you ask me. You don't even need the expensive ones, which I should probably invest in. I use cheap ones, and I did get it by just fine. Um, I think I use H HT. Um, they have the HD Ice Enterprises. I use theirs. I, I think you can go to Shields right now and get them for fifteen bucks. Really, like they they did start to end up crapping out. So like they didn't really crap out yet. But like one of the the cleat pads fell off. So I sent HT a picture, and I was like, "Hey, this happened. They have had them for less than a year." And they sent me out a new pair. So I'm rocking those old ones until I can't anymore. And then I have a brand new pair to, you know, lay back on. So, um, but yeah, like I said, absolute must for early ice when the ice is slick like that. And that's something that stays on with me until snow really comes. And then once snow comes and you start getting that texture on the ice, that really helps. But like I said, spikes. Let's see. Anything else I'm think I can think of? As far as safety wise, I don't maybe let someone know where you're going. So give someone your secret fishing spot and say, hey, if I'm not back by this time, you know, call someone because I'm probably in danger. You know, like that, uh, that Simpsons, I'm in danger. <laughs> so that is about it, I'd say. Just, you know, be smart. Oh, so we're talking about getting out and like staying safe on top of the ice. We need to talk about getting out to your spot. So getting to your spot, you need a chisel, or some people call it a spud bar. And uh, from there, you need to, to check the ice every couple steps kind of thing, especially if you're really early ice and pushing the envelope. You need that like extra reassurance. You need to know how thick the ice is when you're walking out. Our rule of thumb with our chisel is one: if you get it through with one good jab, it's way too thin. 
like way too thin. You should like run backwards as fast as you can. If you can get it in in like one and like a half ish, you're on the borderline. And if it takes two really good chasels and you can't get through, then you're really good. You're sitting on really good ice. And then anything after that is just overkill. So, you know, we're going by pop, pop, you know. And if it takes like all you can give on that second one to get it through, then we're still usually sending it. Um, and don't be afraid to drill holes and measure the ice. And if it's clear ice, that's the best way to indicate it. So clear ice and cloudy ice, there's a difference. And it's like cloudy ice, very bad. It means uh, it didn't freeze over right, and it's not that strong. So it's hard to measure that cloudy ice and call it good because it's probably not going to be good for a while, and that's a terrible base for the year to start on as far as ice becomes. Um, you want that really clear ice that's almost like you know ice cube in your drink kind of thing. So when you are uh, measuring out this ice, you need to take like however you want to measure it. You drill a hole. You can put your hand in the water, which... I guess I've done before. I don't like it, but, uh, or you can take like a little tape measure. Like I carry one to measure a fish and you can kind of put it on the bottom of the hole and pull it up till you get to the edge of the ice line and measure it from there. Um, two inches, you're kind of pushing it. You can get out there. Me personally, you will not find me on two inch device. At least not, not if I'm not a hundred percent sure how the ice is around me. And if I'm, if I only have like 50 yards to walk, you, you might find me on two inches of ice. Probably not. Three inches of ice, you can count me on. You can count me in on going to my closest spots. That's it. Chiseling everywhere. Like, checking everything. Because I do not want to fall in. Um, and then, you know, four inches of ice. You can see me walking around pretty freely. At that point, should I have a chisel with? Yeah. Do I? Probably not. I probably don't have it with... Uh, four inches and above you know i know ice is safe ice and that's what they say but i found if it's you know four inches pretty consistently around you and like all the way out to your spot kind of thing you you're hardly ever going to run into those shallow spots um something you need to look out for breakers so big cracks in the ice you need to look out for uh what they call those not the fountains there's a special word for them mm, i can't think of it it's like uh it's like a hot tub in in the water. Springs, springs, there we go. Sorry about that. Um it's the springs underneath the water that will always have water and air bubbles flowing through. So it's always air bubbles coming to the top and air bubbles coming to the top and that eats away at ice, especially over time. So early ice, you it's really hard to know where those spots are. That's why they say no ice is safe ice. Some lakes are really known for their springs. Other lakes are not. But if you are very unfamiliar and unsafe, go the easy route. Bring that chisel with you everywhere you go. Other people could be driving on. You should be chiseling away if you're really that worried about it. Um, or you kind of stay on your tracks and, and do mind your own business kind of thing. Not saying that you're not if you're chiseling away and being overly cautious. But those springs can be disastrous if you like happen to drive over one or if you happen to walk over to early ice and that's where people fall in you know those springs that are always causing the thin ice um that's pretty much your only concern the bigger lakes usually have the springs not saying the small ones can't or won't but it's usually those little bigger lakes in the area so let's move on to 
you know, driving. So this is, we're really working ahead now. It's probably another month away. But when you're driving, especially if you're concerned about eye safety, stay on the roads. And if you're 100% confident where you're going, then get off. But you stay on those ice roads that previous trucks have driven, okay? And if you see a truck out there, then it's probably safe for your truck to get out there. My dad always told me, you never want to be the first one out there. You never want, you never want to be them. Uh, you're the first truck out there. You have a um, a, a killer. I don't know what to say. You you have some some big balls there, and that is, oh boy. There's people like that every year. Though. They always they're always like trying to be the first one out there, and to me, it's it's a no thank you. I'm trying to be not the first one out there, but the one of the first ones out there safely. Like I don't want to be, you know playing games with death i I can see what i'm not afraid to die but (laughs) i don't want to be playing games with with death it's not going to end well for me and it's not going to end well for my truck when i sink it through kind of thing Uh, even though i do have a car (laughs) but if you do see other trucks out there it's safe for your truck you know if you see cars out there a little small SUVs, probably don't go out there with your full-size truck until you see other full-size trucks general rule of thumb for me you guys can take it however you want and when you, if you sink your truck or anything like that, don't point your finger at me. I'm just telling you guys what I do. It works out for me. It works out for my dad. It works out for everyone we know. So um, you stick to the roads where everybody has traveled. That way you can guarantee there's no springs because if there were springs, other people would be going through. So that is, you know, one one thing you don't have to keep on your mind. And then take that road to, you know, the, the, the best road to your to your fishing spot and then you can get off the road a little bit. Not we usually we'll usually take the road about halfway in, and then we'll kind of go off on our own. And especially if the ice is really thick, it's not a concern for us at all. Especially where we fish, we've been fishing there for generations, kind of thing. So we're we're pretty comfortable in the fact that there might there there's probably more there's like a ninety nine point five percent chance there's not a a spring anywhere near us that's gonna hinder us or we're gonna go through. But like I said, no ice is safe ice. Be careful out there and uh, go get them because it is time for ice fishing and I am stoked. I am hoping to get out this weekend. Probably won't happen. I heard Red Lake is frozen over and I want to get out there next weekend, but I bet you it's going to kind of melt away because we got some hot weather coming. Not good for us ice guys, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode because that's all I got for ice safety. Make sure you guys are safe out there. And just remember, oh, before I do that, before I say that, it's going to be killer to end it with this saying, okay? So, before I say that, <laughs> thank you for listening this long. God bless. Have a good, great week. But just remember, no fish is worth your life. Thanks for your time. Mm-hmm.